Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Capriletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickle. And we are here today to talk about movies two, three, and four <laughs> in the most celebrated Lifetime series of all, Stalked by My Doctor. This is like our triple Lutz. <laughs> Can we land it, folks? <laughs> Only time will tell. And Liz is wearing... Her Eric Roberts sweatshirt that she has been saving for just the proper occasion. <laughs> I do wear it on other occasions, but I try not to wear it too much because I spill a lot. <laughs> so, you know, I don't want his face to be covered with coffee stains and the like. <laughs> Matt is also wearing his It's a Wonderful Lifetime shirt, which is just seasonally appropriate. <laughs> Okay, so this one's going to be a little bit different from our previous episodes because we're not going to do point-by-point plot descriptions like we did with episode one, Stalked by My Doctor, the first one. There's too much that happens. It would be a four-hour episode, so we're just going to give you the gist. And the reason why we're doing this is because... Very exciting news. A few weeks ago, a fifth installment was released. And we wanted to get you caught up on the world before we move into the most recent one. So we got to tell you the story up until that point, and then we can move into the new one, which is very exciting. And it's the title is Just What the Doctor Ordered. I love it. It is truly what I need right now. (laughs) So I'm also going to, in general, talk a little bit less about plausibility. For example, in one of the movies, Dr. Beck is accused of murdering a coworker and having an inappropriate relationship with a patient who's, I think, 18 And he's accused of all of this by her aunt. And somehow he continues treating her for a sleep disorder, which I imagine a medical facility would insist on a new doctor to avoid malpractice or liability issues, or the state medical board might have thoughts on it. But we're not going to get into things like that because these movies are either surrealist or magical realism. Or something else that I am forgetting because, as I've said before, my brain has fully turned to mush. And so all of my awareness of literature that I studied for however many years, it's all gone. So it's something. But the world we're in is truly wild. Maybe it's just plain silly. It's Eric Roberts' magic is what it is. Let's just lean into the silliness and... We will not subject these movies to, I hope we won't subject these movies to my usual unfair amount of scrutiny. (laughs) We're just going to enjoy them. By the way, I, I feel it's important to mention that's the intention of these movies. They are listed on IMDb as either thrillers or horror and comedies. Yeah. So this is supposed to be funny. We're going to have fun. So with that said, why don't we start with Stalked by My Doctor, 
The Return, a 2016 movie. So coming out just one year after the original. Yes. Well, as we told you in the first episode about Stuck by My Doctor, Eric Roberts works. Yes. I mean, works. He is on multiple movie sets on many days. Left to his own devices, he could probably crank out one of these every month. So, (laughs) you know... Anyways, so here's what the basic plot is for Stuck by My Doctor The Return. On a beach in Acapulco, Dr. Beck, or Dr. Victor Slauson, as he's going by now, gives Amy CPR and saves her life. He follows her back to San Diego and romances her mother to get closer to her. The mother ultimately thwarts his plan to win Amy's heart. Not that Amy was interested. (laughs) they never are they usually have young comparably attractive to however attractive they are boyfriends some of them are soccer stars yes and in case that sounds an awful lot like Nabokov to you they do end the movie with him reading Lolita in his jail cell so it is not accidental that reference I think they are fully trying to make a medical Lolita comedy. And somehow it's awesome. Doctor Paging <laughs> Dr. Humbert Humbert. So yeah, let's get into it. That's the basic plot. Mm-hmm. What struck you about this one? I mean, I think the fact that we start to get into the inner workings of the mind of Dr. Albert Beck, we see it isn't quite as entertaining as some of the um, delusions we see in subsequent films, but we have that psychiatrist that he has dialogue with. Yes, we do. And she is revealed to be a figment of his imagination, uh, which allows (laughs) him to be shown speaking to her at various intervals on his laptop screen. And at one point, I think it's right after he marries Amy's mom, <laughs> yes. uh, she, he is seen having this conversation with a blank laptop screen. <laughs> yes. I, I am not sure what the therapist in his... Um, I, I know it's a fake therapist, but I'm not sure, you know, when they had consultation one. <laughs> you know, first, <laughs> first televisit. Intake form. Yes. I'm not sure what he was seeking treatment for it, it, it just it's curious to me because uh-huh. he he is aware of his problem with his attraction to girls who are in the 17 to 19 range and does not i'm calling it a problem he does not see it as a problem so my question is It sounds like you want a friend, not a therapist. Therapists usually talk to you about issues and try to work you through them. But if you don't think that's a problem, what is she doing? Well, maybe his problem is he can't find love and he comes to her thinking, why won't any of these women love me? (laughs) A a question for the ages, truly. (laughs) Because he uses a classic opening line with most women. Oh, yes. Like... My house is 10,000 square feet and overlooks the ocean. You should see my boat. It's even bigger. Not really. 
Should I name her the whatever the lady's name is he's talking to? <laughs> yes. And he repeatedly uses this throughout all three of these movies. I found it baffling because it just came up so quickly. Yeah. I mean, having watched, I think, both seasons of VH1's The Pickup Artist as a goof, I wonder within pickup artist culture, Mystery, the lead in that series, I don't think he would have very good things to say about Dr. Albert Beck, or in this case, Dr. Victor Slauson's opener. Would now, but would that not constitute peacocking? Because he is showing yeah. off his assets. Mm-hmm. That's the, by the way, that's the extent of my knowledge of, of like, of late two thousands of <laughs> pickup artisting. <laughs> yes. That and negging, I think, were both from the same show. Yes. Neither of which terribly appealed to me. Um, which may be why that show didn't get a third <laughs> season. Well, not that the, not that I'm terribly representative of most women as we've seen a million times i mean who knows maybe a lot of women like when men wear a million rings and (laughs) peacock but for me i you know i'm okay without it yeah (laughs) um but wouldn't that constitute kind of a form of peacock like look how rich i am kind of like showing your feathers or whatever yeah it's weird that he has the pictures, though. The yeah. pictures are the part that I find clunky. Yeah. It, you know, if he was just like, I have a gorgeous house overlooking the ocean, you should come to dinner sometime. Yeah. That's a more elegant way to be like, I'm rich. <laughs> like, it's also I want you to know I'm rich. But we're not here for plausibility. We are not here for plausibility. Now, this is taking a little bit of a turn, but... I do want to get into some of the bad judgment we're subjected to by Amy's mom. I believe her name is Linda. There are, you guys know I'm really bad with names. (laughs) There are three movies. I'm going to do my best, but you know, there's a chance that I'll just say the girl in this movie because there's always a girl. It's always a girl. And sometimes there's a girl's mom or and a girl's aunt. Yes. So I, I may not even name some of these people, but I think her name is Linda. Linda really gives... Oh my God, what is her name? She Sophie's parents. Linda really gives Sophie from... Original m- stuff. Movie one and, spoiler, movie three. Yes a run for their money in terms of bad judgment. Because after Dr. Slauson has... Is that the name of a... Is Slauson the name of a condiment? Why does that sound familiar? Slauson Pickles. (laughs) Yes. Um, After he saves her, gives her CPR, in front of her mother, he proposes naming his boat the Amy. Amy is... In yeah. high school, uh-huh. her mom hears that she should have immediately grabbed her arm and run. Yep. Then once they are in San Diego, he shows up at her high school and gives her a life vest. By the way, a very low grade life vest. It's like the kind you would use if you were kayaking somewhere that had no current whatsoever, like mm-hmm. a completely still lake. 
because this thing will not, will not save you in most situations. It's the orange one. Yes. It's like the kind of life vest that one would wear on a pond where kids would race toy boats. Sure. So it had Amy written on it. So he shows up at her high school and, and gives her this gift, which means he tracked her down yeah. and then waited for her at her high school. And that doesn't throw the mom. Yeah. And then she also accepts a tea from him that he, quote, learned from a colleague in Tibet. Yes. <laughs> and he's shown making it and putting multiple unmarked items in this tea. She drinks it. And then Amy goes to the hospital at some point in the movie where he, quote unquote, works. He does not work there. Yeah. And... His name isn't on the board, and they all just let it go. I mean, there are multiple moments where... the I mean, the biggest one for me is, like, if you follow me to another country, I'm on full alert at that point. Yeah. But the mom is, like... I mean, at least in Lolita, we're presented with a woman... Isn't... In Lolita, isn't the mom kind of like a depressing figure. Yeah. She's, it's been a while since I read Lolita, but she's like desperate for love. And she kind of like tries very hard, right? She wears a lot of makeup and she tries to like dress herself, but it all kind of ends up hitting the wrong note. Yeah, I think so. This mom did not seem desperate for love. By contrast, she seemed like she had loved her husband who dies on a ladder accident. Yes. By the way, yesterday, I freaked out because Matt was on a ladder and my whole life flashed before my eyes. (laughs) I don't want to end up being romanced by Dr. Albert Beck. Or Dr. Victor Slauson. Matt has to be saver on, on ladders. But her, she seemed to love this husband, and it, yes, he died a while ago, but she seemed to be still in a phase of mourning and not moving on from... And she's entitled to that. Yeah, to she not, was very much in her own mental health improvement, or trying to kind of get out of... Uh, and get over, or move on, not really get Find over. some... Yeah. yeah, but so the thing is, like... It makes more sense to me, I guess what I'm saying is, Nabokov is a slightly better writer than Jeff Campbell, (laughs) because it makes more sense to me when, in the book, the mother so readily accepts Humbert Humbert, as as opposed to, in the movie these inconsistencies are excused so quickly, which doesn't make sense to me as much because she's not so desperate for love. So it's like, I don't think she would have excused them. She had a hard wall up is what I'm saying. She wore cardigans, everyone. That's how hard the wall was up. In San Diego. (laughs) (laughs) That's how they present her as like depressed and closed off for love in case you were curious. It's like she wears cardigans and sometimes khakis. I think think there's an essay out there called A Cardigan in San Diego. (laughs) But like apparently modesty means you're you're just shut off for love. There's a full wall up. Yeah. Um but yeah, it you know, 
I, you know, she gave the parents, Sophie's parents, a run for their money. That stuck out to me. Um, also about his arrival in San Diego, just in terms of red flags, when Amy's boyfriend spots someone in the car at the high school, and, and yes, he is a creep, and yes, he is looking at Amy, the boyfriend... Pulls Dr. Slauson out of the car, like wrenches open the door, pulls him out of the car, asks him if he has a kid who goes to the high school, says he's seen him there multiple days. Is he one of those freaks? Is his name on a list? And then he punches in them in the gut before he even answers. It felt a little aggressive to me. Oh, that was that... A delusion that Dr. Slauson imagined, or did that actually happen? That actually happened. Oh, okay, all right. No, because then remember, Amy runs up and she's like, "Oh, this I know is the guy him. That saved he my saved life. my yeah. life." Why she's not freaked out that he's there? And her boyfriend, beyond. I believe the boyfriend's name is Garth. Garth, G- Garth backs off, and and Garth, who should we tell them now? I think we should. Okay, Garth, who is Bruce Boxleitner's son in. Devil Mommy. He's, is it Brent or Trent? Uh, Brent Davick. Brent but, Davick. Yes, but his real name is Trent, isn't it? I think so. Isn't it Trent Grossman? <laughs> Probably. Um, but it, that felt a little aggressive to mm-hmm. me. Like, knocking on the window to be like, do you have a kid here? One thing. Taking a picture of him in his car and showing it to the school and saying, this guy has been hanging around. Great idea. Alerting the school, alerting the police if you want to. This guy's been hanging around a school. I don't know if he's... But to immediately jump to, he doesn't have kids here. And punching him before he even answers felt quite aggressive. To go from a look at his girlfriend Mm -hmm. to punching him felt aggressive to me in a way that made me think, he's not good either. Like, I don't like him either. Not loving Garth? Not loving Garth. Okay. I, yeah, I, I... He does seem to have pure intentions for Amy, though. He does. One of my favorite parts of this film is when they're playing soccer on the beach and they're on a double date. Please mention what Dr. Beck is wearing. What was he wearing? He was wearing loafers, khakis, and a sport coat. Sports coat? Sports coat? Sport coat. Sports coat. Whatever he was wearing. Sport or sports. I can't remember. He was wearing a full jacket. We've been to San Diego. It is hot there. I wore a sundress the time we were there and got scorched by the sun. Wearing like SPF 100 per use. You, I don't think many people go to the beach there wearing... It's probably a little formal for a beach picnic and slash soccer. Uh, but I digressed. What was your you your favorite scene was this well, when, soccer scene? In the soccer scene where Garth and Amy are, are playing soccer yes. and he kind of notices offhandedly that Dr. Slauson is checking Amy out. 
Um, and Dr. Slauson kind of asks, basically asks Garth what his intentions are with Amy. Yes. And he kind of tries to insinuate that he should be cheating on her because <laughs> of his age. And the, the quote itself is, if I was your age, I'd definitely, I'd definitely sample all the goodies in the grocery store before I make my purchase. Know what I mean, he adds. <laughs> yes, we do know what you mean. That is the most unsubtle statement anyone has ever said. Yeah. <laughs> he also says, is this a rental situation or are you leasing to buy? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Which I've never heard someone say to describe dating. Well, now I can never go to a supermarket in the same way again. Or eat pancakes. <laughs> oh yes, the pancakes. We must mention that at, at some point, Dr. Beck Slauson, whatever you want to call him, is eating pancakes in his house in the shape of Amy's name. Yes. He eats Amy pancakes. <laughs> yeah, yes. They are three individual pancakes, one for each letter. Thankfully, she didn't have a longer name, but... Yes. I, I also... So in this house, he had... One of those like squirt bottles that you use to do dough in shapes. That's a level of like preparedness I would not have expected from a doctor. Well, he is a highly trained cardiac surgeon, so. He is. And they typically have squirt bottles to make pancake <laughs> shapes when yeah. they don't have kids. Yes. Although I guess he does want kids to be his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically. Right. There's really only one more thing that I wanted to mention from this film and that How is that possible i could talk about this movie for well, the rest of my life well sure but knowing that there are two more films yes uh to cover the introduction of amy's uncle roger and the way that uh this uncle roger is described as kind of amy's mom's like deadbeat brother yes who lives in la and is a musician and the way in which Dr. Slauson bonds with Roger upon meeting him. Yes. One is priceless because he's talking about the way it, he downloaded Roger's albums yes. off of iTunes. And it seems like these were not readily available. Yes. iTunes was not listing them and they're like top 100 most downloaded for the day. Yeah. So he talks about his music and Dr. Slauson talks about also how he himself used to play a little bit of bass in med school, is it? Yes. And to, uh, to put himself through med school. Yes. Now, I don't know many musicians, but it is my understanding that similar to being any form of artist, you don't make money until you're making lots of money. So like early in your career, you're not making money so he's making i don't know what med school costs but let's estimate it's similar to like a year of college tuition which i think i think even state schools at this point are in the 15s or 20s so he was making twenty thousand dollars a year as a bass player well this is dr beck he's an I older mean, he's man talented. so well talented and also went to medical school probably some years ago <laughs> sure um but still the uh the the point you're making is is well noted i said i 
I said I wouldn't get into plausibility, and then everything I'm saying is all about plausibility. <laughs> I loved all of this. I, I'm sure in the moment he was actually just lying, and I loved it. I love every lie. I just... Having played at dive bars in my own brief musical career that did not put me through medical school or anything other than enjoyment, I love the line where, I think it's Roger, says, the crowds were so drunk they thought you were the Rolling Stones. And then they fist bump and he goes, my brother! (laughs) Which I can't even, I don't know if that creaked out through my voice. I can't even bring myself to say it. He says, my brother. And I, I am saying that exactly how he said it. Not how I would say it, as I would never say it. I mean, my vocal cords tried to reject saying that aloud. Right, yes. Uh, Roger himself has kind of long, floppy hair and looks like he owns at least one Baja shirt for every day of the week. I mean, yes. And it's interesting you mentioned Baja shirts as they do come up later. Yes, they do. When we are introduced to Uncle Roger, for the record... Does he have a motorcycle in his kitchen? You know he does. This is rock and roll, baby. (laughs) The other thing I I really enjoy about his interaction with Roger is when they hit upon the fact that they both spent time living in Salt Lake City. Sure. And that's how Roger pins uh, Dr. Slauson as not necessarily being completely truthful in his story because he does not know. Uh, he asks Dr. Slauson where he lived in Salt Lake City. and um, It's a grid, right? It, it yes. sounds as though Salt Lake City uh, is a grid, like numbered a, grid. A numbered grid, but oriented towards the main temple, I think. Okay. Uh, so um, his Roger's address was 800 South, 300 East, and, okay. and talked about... The way that addresses are oriented in Salt Lake City. Now, I've never been to Salt Lake City, but if anyone is has, um, would love to hear more about Salt Lake City addresses, which I could also uh, learn more about through a cursory Google search. Sure. But uh, um, it, it, it was an interesting way to introduce the fallacy of Dr. Slauson's uh, claims about himself. Yes. I only have a few more things I want to mention. One of them is that the mom is at a romantic date with Dr. Beck and they are at a white tablecloth dinner place. Mm -hmm. So this is not, you know, a dive restaurant. It's not fast food. It's a nice, it's a candlelit place. They're having a romantic meal. And she utters the sentence... This coffee went right through me. Would you excuse me? I'm going to go to the ladies' room. (laughs) What on earth? What a way to kill the romantic energy. I mean, she is rusty, obviously. She's not been on dates since she was married and, you know, he died. And she's wearing cardigans as a result. She's wearing cardigans as a result. Went right through me is an expression that if someone said to me at a restaurant, I'd be like, and I'm hard to, I have a pretty high tolerance for disgusting things. Some, you know, as we've mentioned, I've had weird medical things happen to me. My tolerance has gone up for gross things. But I cannot imagine saying that on a date 
with you and I've been married to you for five years. Like theoretically, I should yeah. be comfort- far more comfortable. But what a way to kill the, yeah. the energy. Sure. <laughs> like you really snuffed out the votive candle of romance <laughs> on the table, if you will. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to get into here is... Is Dr. Beck a byproduct of fairy tales? Because he loves a damsel in distress. Uh In this movie, Amy was unconscious at the beginning of the movie. Very sleeping Mm beauty-ish. And in the later movie, in a later movie, movie four, the girl is an orphan. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a common thing in Lifetime movies, dead parents. But it also made me wonder, are we looking at, you know, someone who's over-internalized fairy tales and is a pedophile? Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a weighty question to consider. It's just something to think on. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else for this one? No, I do not. Okay. So I had the good fortune this week to do trivia. We're going to do it movie by movie. So... This is just for Stalked by My Doctor, The Return, the 2016 installation. Amy, who is played by Claire Blackwelder, also played Kendall Morgan slash Purple Dino Charge Ranger in Power Rangers Dino Charge. Wow, that is impressive. What was that character name again? She played both Kendall Morgan, which I think is the out of Power Rangers uh-huh. name, and Purple Dino Charge Ranger. Okay. They're getting into very, like a lot of, I've heard of the Power Rangers. I think I saw them when I was younger, but this seems like a very detailed spinoff. We've now got got Power Rangers that are dinos and they're charged somehow. Yeah, we're, didn't they used to, I mean... They're just rangers, right? Yeah, weren't they just to be like the... The pink ranger. The green one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought so too. But, you know, you have to keep kids interested. You've got to constantly be trying new things. So, Okay, so Rachel, the woman he hits on in the beginning, Uh is played by Leslie Kay. Okay. She has been in General Hospital, The Young and the Restless, As the World Turns, The Bold and the Beautiful, Dirty Teacher... The Wrong Crush, The Wrong Cheerleader, and The Wrong Fiancé. Wow. That is a body of work. And she won an Emmy in 2001 for Outstanding Supporting Actress on As the World Turns and was nominated for another in 2005 as a supporting actress on The Bold and the Beautiful. So clearly she doesn't need Dr. Beck's house or his boat. She doesn't. Which she also said in the movie. She yeah. was like, I make a million dollars a year after taxes. Yes. I don't need your house. It looks like a shack. <laughs> By the way, like, even really rich people, I don't think, look at a 10,000 square foot house and they're like, shack? <laughs> but I'm not rich, so I don't know. Maybe they do. I won't even bother telling you what I made after taxes this year. <laughs> Although it would make all of you feel very good about yourselves. <laughs> So, moving on to movie three. Yes. Stalked by my doctor, Patient's Revenge, the 2018 installment. Do, do, do. So, two years later, two years from Stalked by my doctor, one, Dr. Beck has escaped conviction for 
kidnapping and I think attempting to kill Sophie. Yes. He is... I guess we're not prosecuting him for... I just realized that. I guess we're not prosecuting him for pushing Linda. Yeah, we just kind of sweep that one right under the rug. <laughs> so Linda is pushed off of a off of something tall because she's afraid of heights. Yeah, in the second one. And she catches herself on a ledge. But I guess we're just letting that attempt to go. Yes. Just move on. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So back to this one. Stalked by my doctor, patient's revenge. Two years after the first incidents with Sophie, Dr. Beck has escaped conviction for what he did to Sophie and is now a college professor at Southeastern Arizona University, where he falls for his student, Melissa. But Sophie has taken time off from Wittendale yeah. to stop Dr. Beck. Mm-hmm. And she's got dark hair now. She has just come, apparently, from serving as an extra on the set of the movie The Craft. Oh my god, that's the exact same thing! You guys, this is... Two minds. Okay, I'm not kidding. In my actual notes, it says, you know Sophie has gone to the dark side now because she has dark brown hair, bangs, and wears burgundy black lipstick. She wears black. She has a leather jacket. Her look is very Feruza Balk in the craft. That's crazy. I've never actually seen the craft. Which one is Verusa Balk? She's the naughty one. Okay. There, It's like a... Well, I mean, which famous person? Because there are several famous people in the crowd. No, that's the... She's... That's her real name. That's oh, the actress's name. She is the... So there are four women. Mm-hmm. She's the villain one. Yeah. Okay, anyway. It doesn't matter. We can move on from this. <laughs> but also in this movie... We get a new character. Yes, we do. We get Dr. Beck's alter ego who's posited as like his conscience. Yes. He tries to tell Dr. Beck not to do all of the things with young women that Dr. Beck wants to do. (laughs) The alter ego is straight out of Margaritaville. Mm -hmm. Each time we see him, he has a different fun cocktail. Yes. With an umbrella, sometimes many umbrellas, Lots of garnishes, like oranges and lemons and strawberry. The cocktails become increasingly complicated and are fun to watch. I mean, I'm just waiting for them to take a page from some of the brunch places around. I remember one place uh, by our old apartment in Manhattan that served a grilled cheese (laughs) as a garnish. On a Bloody Mary. It wasn't even good grilled cheese. That was the disappointing part. (laughs) If you're going to give me a grilled cheese... And grilled cheese is not hard to make good. It came cold, and that was my biggest problem with it. Aside from that, cheese and bread, I have very few complaints. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you want to get into about this one? Um, Well, and also, you know, the alter ego, um, which he struggles with throughout the film, and then ultimately leaves him on the side of the road (laughs) at the end. Yes. Yes. the return of Sophie. Yes. Brianna Chomer has dropped the joy from her name. She's just Brianna that's, Chomer now. That's the actress who plays Sophie. Yes. And her apparent childhood best friend, Melissa. 
Okay, yes. So the basic idea in this movie is that Melissa, who he falls in love with, falls in love with him too. Yeah. But, plot twist, she's actually a childhood best friend of Sophie's and they are plotting to get him convicted of killing Sophie. They're going to stage her death. Yeah. Okay. I have multiple thoughts about the Melissa twist. Yeah. Now, there is a post-prandial sex scene with Melissa where Sophie comes in to the house, grabs a kitchen knife, but it ends up in a threesome. That was a hallucination daydream, right? That was one of Dr. Yes. Beck's... Yes, okay. But what I would point out is, so Melissa is at Dr. Beck's house. They have dinner. He has this hallucination daydream thing. But he wakes up and Melissa comes out of the bathroom in like a t-shirt brushing her teeth, which I think means they had sex, right? I think so, yes. Because she says, last night was incredible. Mm -hmm. So Melissa is willing to sleep with Dr. Beck. As part of the plot. Yeah. I love my friends, but I do not, I could not be a part of a plot in which I had to sleep with a, an attempted murderer. Slash award-winning cardiologist who was part of the president's uh, commission on cardiology. That is too much for a friend to do. It is quite uh, quite a long walk. A lot of a friend. Mm-hmm. Now, what I will say about the whole Melissa thing is, I think it supports my fairy tale thing because I think they plotted for Melissa to meet Doctor Beck in his class by fainting because they know he has a thing for damsels in distress, uh-huh. specifically damsels in distress who are like unconscious. Yes. <laughs> The other thought I had about the whole Melissa being Sophie's best friend and it's a, you know, it's a whole plot to get him convicted was I actually think it would be more interesting plot wise if she actually fell for Dr. Beck. So like a double cross, like she'd been sent in as like the agent Uh to get him convicted and then fell for him. Or if there was no connection to Sophie, right? I kind of want to see what happens if one of the women Dr. Beck falls for, falls for him in return. Sort of like um, what happened in You, where Joe falls for that one girl and she ends up being just as twisted as him. Oh, yes. I mm-hmm. would like to see what would happen if he falls for someone bad and gets his just desserts. Yes. I mean, he does get chloroformed in this film, so the tables have turned slightly. Um, yes. But I, I see the point that you're making. Um, in case you thought Sophie's parents wised up after this whole initial encounter with Dr. Beck, no. They do not know what college their daughter is attending. They admit they 
neither of them received a bill from Wittendale yeah. and then immediately let it go. Like you would not notice if there, I mean, Wittendale's supposed to be like the best school in the country. You wouldn't notice if there were a 40,000 plus bill that hadn't been paid. And you think colleges let people not pay? I mean, you're, you're going to notice a Wittendale tuition check sized hole in your bank account. But also during her conversation with her parents, they do make one good suggestion. They say that they would like for her to see a mental health professional and she refuses. And mental health comes up a few times in these movies and it's always presented in kind of a negative light. And I just want to say this. It's a side note and then we're going to move back to fun stuff. I would like to destigmatize mental health things, particularly on Lifetime. They do throw around the word psycho a lot, and we haven't even talked about that being a problem because we want to keep this fun. But what I'm saying is... Also, it's usually in the title of a film. Yes, it's usually the title. What I'm saying is I seek mental health. I have mental health professionals. I have panic attacks. I'm sure a lot of people are having more mental health problems right now because the past two years have been really hard and for a lot of people very isolating. Mental health professionals are totally normal. See them if you need them. Most people do, in my opinion, but I think everyone can benefit from them. So go see them. And I'm moving on now. Let's say something fun. And now back to Dr. (laughs) Albert Beck and his alter ego who has a different drink in every scene. And uh, yeah. Okay. We're going to take a hard right turn. I have multiple things to say about dialogue stuff in this movie. And they're all fun. So we'll go with that. (laughs) First of all, when Dr. Beck tries to get Sophie to sign a mutual restraining order, she says, shove it up your nose. I'm not signing anything. (laughs) Which sounds like what a real person would say filtered through what you would say. (laughs) This looks so weird. (laughs) Shove it up your nose. I have never said that. No, but you love the expression, go suck an egg, and they feel like cousins to me. All right, fair enough. (laughs) Also, in this movie, Dr. Beck drives a Mercedes. I think we should hook him up from the, the woman, the villainous woman from Double Daddy, the one who ends up in jail. I think she's his match. Heather? Heather. Oh, yes, yes. Now it's a... I. It's a cross... What is that called? Cross-pollination? No. No, when they do like cross-promotional... Or when an episode goes from like... Like when someone from Blackish is on Fresh Off the Boat. Uh-huh. They're both owned by ABC. Uh-huh. What's that called when they... There's a um, name for that. Not cross-promotion. Not... Uh... Crossover. Oh my God. <laughs> Crossover episode. Yes. I would like a crossover movie. My God, was that interesting for you guys? I hope. <laughs> Good Lord. Okay. Continuing on with fun dialogue. I am going to have Matt read a scene. He okay. is completely unprepared for this. It is long. It is a monologue. And what I will tell you is that we are in Dr. Beck's kitchen He imagines he's in a surgical theater surrounded by students. Sophie and Melissa are both strapped to his kitchen island. True to his word, his house is huge. 
because he has a kitchen island large enough to strap two women to. Adult women. Which is a big, I mean, that's a big island. I'll give you that. Um, I actually, oh yeah, I on the subject of house, before I make Matt do this scene, I should mention that when Dr. Beck brings Melissa to his house for the first time, he asks her, first of all, he says his house is too big for one. And it, and it is. Oh yeah. And then, and then he asks her if he, she wants a tour. They don't actually take the tour, which I would have loved. But he says he has a swimming pool, a waterfall, a miniature golf course, and a screening room. Is he 12? <laughs> I think he's 12. Anyways, so moving back to this scene where they're strapped to the kitchen island. Dr. Beck thinks he's in a surgical theater surrounded by students. Matt is looking at this now and must be terrified <laughs> because it is, yes, it's double spaced, but this takes up a full page nearly. So you start here and it goes down to here and anything in brackets is stage direction. So you have to read it with a different voice. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Cardiological Systems 1B. I'm Dr. Albert Beck. And today we'll be performing a double open heart transplant. <laughs> Let's talk about why these girls are undergoing surgery today. Basically, both these women suffer from what we call cardiotreacheritis. Cardio meaning heart, of course, and treacheritis meaning treacherous. In plain English, these girls were born with evil, duplicitous hearts. So today, I'm going to saw through their breastbones, rip open their rib cages, and surgically remove their beating hearts. I will heal them. Well, how do you heal treacherous hearts, Dr. Beck? Anybody? No? By giving them all the love I possibly can, and once their hearts are pure again, I will transplant Melissa's clean heart into Sophie's body because nobody has ever loved me like Melissa. And then I will transplant Sophie's clean heart into Melissa's body because deep down I know Sophie is grateful to me for saving her life. Finally, once their new healthy hearts have adapted to their new bodies, both Sophie and Melissa will love me unconditionally, and the three of us will live happily ever after in my Hacienda Grande in Cabo San Lucas. And there is applause from the imaginary students. When you heard the kiss in the middle of that, that was him kissing one of the girl's foreheads <laughs> prior to surgery. It was a doozy. I mean, it was, I, I typed that whole thing, folks. I, it, I, I feel comfortable having said that I typed that whole thing. It was worth every minute it took to type it. It was every moment I was like, I think I remember what's coming next so I can start. No, you can't start typing. What you think is coming next is treacheritis. <laughs> and, and yes, you're going to have to fight with your MacBook Pro multiple times to get it to keep treacheritis because it's not a word. <laughs> Do you remember that scene? Was that one of your favorites? It was pretty darn good, I have to say. It wasn't my favorite. <laughs> what uh, was your favorite? My favorite, well... Oh, I think I know what your favorite was. Isn't it obvious? I'll let you tell. The fact that they introduce Eric Roberts, Dr. Beck, doing a song and dance number. <laughs> yes, it's a song and... Thank you, Doug Campbell. You gave us the song and dance we have always wanted. It is... Move over, La La Land. It is classic... MGM 40s, campy, silly, 
dancing on a cliff overlooking LA, uh-huh. like the city lights of LA at night. It is. I mean, did this come out in the same year as La La Land or close to it? I, I don't know. I mean, not that La La Land was the first to do that. No. I mean, that. I think that that is kind of a almost a cliche at this point. Sure. Like dancing on a hill overlooking the city lights of LA. And both of them are on a bench, sitting yes. on a bench. She, there's that uh, interplay with the medical textbook. And... Yes, and unlike Ginger, she uses, instead of a feather boa for prop work, she uses a stethoscope. Yes, that's right. That's Hilarious. Right. Yeah, but uh, I believe it was, I'm not the kind of guy who falls in love. Which is ridiculous. Because, yes, you are. You <laughs> fall in love with everyone. Yes. Everyone. Everyone. Oh. Doug Campbell's contribution to the Great American Songbook. He really gave me exactly what I wanted. And I. the thing is, so many exciting things happen in these movies that I completely forgot about. I completely forgot there was a goofy song and dance. And for the record, I know we're talking about something super serious. An older guy creeping on women who are either in their first year of college or, you know, in some of the movies in their senior year of high school. I get it. It's very serious. These movies are so silly and weird They are comedies. You are not intended. You're not on his side. They're not advocating for what he's doing. We're not advocating for what he's doing. Clearly, it's just funny. I mean, it's funny to watch someone talk to their alter ego who's holding a blue Hawaiian cocktail. That's literally what they named the cocktail. I don't know if that's a real cocktail, but I want it. I want whatever they're drinking. Every time he showed up with a new garnished drink, I was like... I want that mixed drink. Mixologist friends out there, please let us know. Is a blue Hawaiian a real thing? (laughs) Okay. Do you have anything else you would like to say about... That's it for number three for me. Now, number three, I will say, was a little bit... It was a little bit of a lull. It wasn't the best of the the three we're covering. But... Doug Campbell really saved himself with like the surgical scene. That was a classic Campbellian move. (laughs) Um, You know, that monologue was... was very true to form, and it was great. And I think the song and dance really yeah. infused life. I had different ways I wanted the plot to go, yeah. but I'm not the writer of this movie. So, okay, so we're going to move on to trivia since we have nothing else to say about it. Okay. So, Melissa Anna Marie Dobbins attended Birmingham Southern College on a dance scholarship. Oh. So someone who actually knows how to dance, as we requested, they finally worked in the dancing. She has been in The Wrong House Sitter, Deadly Mile High Club, The Pom Pom Murders, and The Wrong Mr. Right. Oh, wow. (laughs) This one is so much weirder, and it's a character we haven't even talked about being in the movie, but I'm going to tell Matt because I think he'll think it's funny. Detective Young, played by Tony Winters. People know him as the tough as nails assistant coach from the best-selling video game NBA 2K15 and the Spike Lee directed NBA 2K16. (laughs) Also, this bit of trivia Matt will freak out about. His dad played for the Kansas City Monarchs. What? Yeah. Cool, right? That is really cool. That's why I thought I should include it, even though we did not talk about his character in the movie 
at all. <laughs> but he was a minor character, so what do you want from us? We have a lot of movies to cover. Okay, so moving on. Stalked by my doctor, A Sleepwalker's Nightmare. Yes. 2019. Mm-hmm. Dr. Beck in this movie assumes the identity of Dr. Mason Tanner, who was about to start a new job at a sleep clinic. Dr. Beck Tanner sees Michelle who suffers from sex somnia, which is sex sleepwalking. It's exactly what it sounds like. Michelle's husband murdered a man who took advantage of her while she was sleepwalking he framed her for the murder and then she murdered her husband in self-defense during a fight. She was exonerated and moved to Arizona for a fresh start. Dr. Beck slash Dr. Tanner initially falls for Michelle who is in her thirties, but then her niece, Katie, who I believe is in college, college or early, early twenties arrives and he falls for her. Katie also suffers from sleep issues in which she agrees to do anything people suggest while she's sleepwalking. Mm -hmm. For example, um, yeah. What did she say? She's highly suggestible. She's highly suggestible. So if you, if she's sleepwalking and you say, eat this entire container of mustard as her friends did, she will eat it. By the way, what terrible friends. I know. Monsters. Also a waste of mustard. (laughs) Or in the case of her boyfriend's roommate, he suggested to her to have sex with him, right. and she did. And that comes up throughout. I will obviously have saddling <laughs> Bruce Boxleitner level opinions about this. <laughs> sounds so inappropriate because he's a real person. Mounting doesn't sound better, though. Whatever. I'm going to get on my high horse. You know what I'm talking about. All right, so let's jump into this one. Um, so the alter ego is back. Yes. Uh, and. And the addition of another <laughs> inner conscious character, Nikki Bismar. Yes, tell them what it stands for. It is an anagram for my sick brain. Yes. And this guy is presented as a patient at the sleep clinic. Mm-hmm. And... Dr. Beck slash Tanner multiple occasions sees this guy in his office and is wondering how this patient got in here and he's asking him all these questions. Mm So, you know, kind of the sinister uh, facet. If, I mean, is Nikki Bismar like the devil on his shoulder if his alter ego is the angel? I mean, it's awfully reductive <laughs> because they don't exactly fit into those yeah, characters. Yes, it is a little hard to describe some someone who doesn't want him to take any credit for past bad behavior as the quote-unquote angel on his shoulder. How much of an angel on your shoulder do you have if you're this bad of a person? Mm-hmm. But yes, the other guy is for sure supposed to be the devil on his shoulder. He's the one who, he's a patient, you know, he's not real, but he he is a patient who is seeking Dr. Tanner's help because he fantasizes about college-aged women. And at one point he says he like follows a woman home and yeah. forced himself on mm-hmm. her. So yeah, I mean, he's the one encouraging Dr. Beck to do the things Dr. Beck wants to do. And then... The Dr. Beck 
alter ego yeah. is the one who discourages him from doing those things mm -hmm. and drinks the more fun cocktails, frankly, and actually has different floral Tommy Bahama shirts in each scene. Yes. Whereas Nikki Bismar wears the same outfit the entire time. So like how Dr. He just has a cigar. Yeah. Dr. Beck never picks up on the fact that his patient only owns one outfit and might not be real. <laughs> um, okay. So what do you want to talk about, about this one? I mean, there's one thing that we really need to talk about, but... I mean, there I, are a million things we really need to well, talk about. I, we have to limit ourselves. Yeah. Okay. What's the first one? Uh, the first one is just the way in which we see Dr. Beck playing a busboy at a diner in the beginning. Great seeing him. I believe he had a shirt. His name was Carl. It was Carl. And he was fantasizing about two women in a booth. Yes. And uh, ends up pouring hot coffee on... On the real Dr. Mason Tanner. Yes, who, yes. by the way, unsympathetic character. When you when you say that, you know, people talk about how, like, oh, you can tell the kind of person someone is by how they talk to, like, restaurant waitstaff or yeah. whatever. Like, if they're not nice to them or they tip badly, you can learn things about a person. Well, Dr. Mason Tanner, yes, he has been... Doused in coffee. Yes. But he screams at him for a very long time and says he must be stupid if he's working as a busboy at that age. And yeah. then says, um, you're not even fit to bring me coffee or something. He's yeah. a real yeah. jerk. Mm -hmm. Sleep End science expert or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Treat your diner... Busboys and waiters, better. but also it's like an in a truly wild thing to think that someone is that you're smarter than someone who's a busboy based on knowing nothing about them other than them being a busboy. Yeah, we're getting into classism. Is this fun? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the thing I wanted to talk about is the arrival of Melissa's boyfriend, Leo, who is arrives wearing a Baja shirt. Yes, that's right. And a beanie. And it's a hard pass for me immediately. <laughs> but then he says that his roommate told him how he, quote, took advantage of Katie. Yeah. And I am then fully done with you, sir. Go play hacky sack on the quad. <laughs> She was not conscious. It was not taking advantage of her. If a person is unable to consent, we call that rape. There is no other word for it. It's rape, dummy. Mm -hmm. Your roommate raped her and you initially blamed her. So congratulations for finally joining the right side of the argument party but that does not mean she should immediately take you back after your waffly little apology, which of course she does because it's a Lifetime movie. <laughs> well, I guess then uh, you're, you know, pleased about the, the, the fate that Leo meets in that parking garage then. I'm not pro-murder of anyone. <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm not pleased that the, again, I'll say it, Baja shirt beanie hat wearing boyfriend 
who didn't side with his girlfriend when she was raped. Do I want him murdered? No. Do I think he has a lot of education to do with regard to feminism and sexual violence? Yes. (laughs) But best to do that work alive and not dead. (laughs) Yes. Not being thrown down the stairs of parking garage. That's not how society advances, is for us, whenever someone is wrong about something, to throw them down down a flight of stairs. But it is important to discuss the arrival of Leo, aside from me mentioning that, yet again, this is rape. I don't care what they call it in the movie. It's not, quote unquote, taking advantage of some... It's rape. I'm calling it that. The other important part of it is that this ushers in one of the best scenes ever committed to celluloid yes is that what they film movies on again we don't know much about movies (laughs) we know what we like and what i like is that the arrival of the boyfriend ushers in a scene in which dr beck goes into melissa's home to use the restroom because he's he needs to vent at seeing the reunion of Oh, wait, her name's not Melissa. Her name's Katie. It, no, whatever. Uh, no, well, you're talking about the aunt, right? So the aunt's, it's the home, aunt's, the aunt's home. house is Michelle. She's Michelle, which I struggled with as well. Yeah, her name Who is Michelle. Who cares, everybody? So there's an aunt and there's a niece, and I don't know their names, obviously. But the point is, she's staying with her aunt at her aunt's house. Her aunt is not there. She's at the sleep clinic being studied for her sleep disorder. And Dr. Beck asks to use the restroom after seeing the reunion of the niece and her boyfriend. And then what happens next is wild. Yes, it's absolute gold. (laughs) So he goes into her bathroom, picks up a soap pump and says, Hi, I'm Katie. Oh, you're tall. I like your hair. Want to make love? To a makeup brush. Yes. That is the soap pump talking to the makeup brush. And then he simulates sex between the soap pump and the makeup (laughs) brush. But apparently, Katie the soap pump is insatiable. Because immediately after, he sets down the makeup brush and picks up uh, a glass and says, You must be Leo, the empty glass. Hey, Leo, let's kiss. Mwah! And then he starts to simulate sex between the soap pump and the glass. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> but, the, but the soap pump keeps demanding harder and he breaks Leo the glass. Yes. So is Leo both the makeup brush and the glass? I don't think so because he does not address the makeup brush okay. as Leo. He um. only addresses the glass, the empty glass yes. as Leo. Just as a side note to this comedy gold scene. Yeah. I'm pretty sure based on these two simulations that Dr. Beck is bad at sex. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure his jackhammering form of sex explains why he's single. Despite his... 10,000 square foot house on the beach and his other house that has a miniature golf (laughs) course in his yard or wherever. And his boat banning to be named for the woman standing in front of him at this very moment. 
It was one of the. <laughs> it's an incredible scene. I completely forgot. I had forgotten it too. How do you forget watching a character simulate sex between a soap pump, a makeup brush, and a glass? I don't know. I don't know. Is there anything like it? I mean, I can't say that there is. I've never seen anything like it. The only thing that I can think of, and this is far. Much in a much different space is that scene in Billy Madison where Adam Sandler talks about shampoo and conditioner. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, this is an entirely different level. With, yes. With, with soap pump. I mean, who knew that these thespian stars were just sitting on the shelf of your local Walgreens? <laughs> just waiting to be brought to life. It was awesome. Yeah. And I, I mean, that and the MGM dance scene were I, just really brightened my week. Eric Roberts, you are a treasure, sir. I mean, yeah, there's a reason why we named a scale after you, sir. <laughs> the comedy you bring to these truly wild moments is impressive. Um, I'm going to hard pivot, though. As I am always want to do. <laughs> Men are not presented terribly well in this movie. Oh, they are awful. So, first of all, during the investigation for the murder of one of Dr. Beck's colleagues, a police officer asks Dr. Beck if sexsomnia is real. Yeah. Beck says yes, and the officer says... I married the wrong woman. Yeah. Later, two orderlies in a mental health facility try to rape the aunt. Yeah. Basically, every man in this movie is presented as either a rapist or a pedophile, except for the Asian nurse, who's a good person. Yeah. Well, that mental institution... Of course, is an absolute dungeon, but yes. there's still no reason for the orderlies in the institution taking care of the Aunt Michelle to be such predators. <laughs> yes. I mean, the dialogue between them is, I mean, you want to talk about locker room talk. They're like, you know, party's on, bro. Uh, when she executes that... Um, Fake sleepwalking. Yes, yes, to to uh, to be able to escape. Because she heard them talking about their plan earlier in the day and so pretended to fall asleep. Yeah. I mean, the horror of that, so bad. W were you curious if they were fired by this facility after all of this is resolved? Because no, they weren't. They were actually the same orderlies Dr. Beck ends up in this mental health facility at the end of this movie. Right. Now, when I say that some of these movies had like pretty anti-mental health tones, this mental health facility looked like something out of a horror movie. It was dark. I mean, everyone who worked there was a rapist. You know, it, it ends with him getting shock therapy. Yeah. And screams. Right. Not from him, from other rooms. I didn't necessarily appreciate this real anti-mental health 
theme we had going, especially because at the end of the movie, Beck has been caught and the aunt and the niece are together. And a cop, not, I don't think the one who said I married the wrong woman, a separate cop, says maybe the aunt and the niece should both get therapy. And the aunt says they're better off without it. Yeah. No, ma'am, you are not. You have been through multiple traumas. Please get therapy. Also, for the record, Dr. Beck is not a therapist of any kind. Yeah. He's a criminal. And before that, he was a cardiologist. Yes. So, I mean, he had to Google sexsomnia, which is wild because it it is exactly what it sounds like. But he had to Google it. He was not qualified to treat you for anything except a heart attack. See a mental health professional. You got a lot to unpack now. Yeah. (laughs) Just being honest. All right. What other thoughts did you have on this one? Um, I think that was, those were all the major things that I wanted to touch on. Do you ever get sensitive when you see men presented so badly, like in this movie? Um, not in this case. I mean, the absurdist nature (laughs) of, I believe it was called the New Mexico Correctional Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Sure. I don't doubt that places like that exist, but the way in which this was portrayed looked like straight out of the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. This country, it looked like Nellie Bly, frankly, mm-hmm. that other Lifetime movie about the person. Yes, the actual um, journalist <laughs> yeah. fighting for yes. the rights of the mentally ill. But that being said, this country does need to take a hard look at its mental health facilities and mental health in general. But like, yeah, it was, I mean, the lighting was scary. Again, the orderlies were rapists. There was like it was large cages scary. that the cells yes. were in. It was, yeah. Um, are you laughing yet, audience? <laughs> <laughs> it was... We should have ended with the sex scene, really. Um, <laughs> you mean the soap pump sex scene? Yes, I mean the soap pump sex scene. We should have ended with that. Okay, so my question to you before we move on to trivia is... Where do you think we go with movie five? And where do you want to see this franchise go? I would like to see Dr. Beck go for a slightly older woman. Sure. Okay. Uh, you'd, you'd like to see Dr. Beck not be a pedophile. Yeah, I mean, just all, all that said, <laughs> assuming that he is going to continue to stick in the same age range, I think I would like to... I'm just... You know, I didn't... Like you said... The third one, Patience Revenge, that one was just not as, as strong. Um, it had great moments, but yes, it wasn't as strong yeah. generally. Um, I, I think putting him into new scenarios and new medical environments is fertile territory. So I imagine that that's how things continue. Sure. To your point, I do think that the movie would still work I think this whole franchise would still work if the women weren't underage. Yeah. I I don't think that's necessary to the... It would be a completely different character, but I don't think it's necessary. So, like, Sophie could have been 
25. Yeah. And she could have had a roommate or a concerned best friend, who maybe one who eats Twizzlers at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it could have, you could have had like concerned figures who were not parents. But I mean, the parents aren't even really parents in these movies. They yeah. don't do a good. So it, again, I don't think we need the parent element. Yeah. I think we can have other supporting characters. And I, I do think it would present us, I think had the women not been underage or just of age, some of our discomfort about these movies would be removed because, yeah. you know, pedophilia gives us both the creeps. I think we need the alter ego or some sort of, of course. counterpoint or but foil I, for him to continue to have dialogue. Yes. But don't you think, let's say the woman's 25, 28, you still have the alter ego because there is still, I mean, you're not allowed with HIPAA. I don't think you're allowed to have relationships with your, romantic relationships with your patients. Mm -hmm. So there would still be a breach. It just wouldn't be a breach in like, age of consent stuff it would be a breach in like medical ethics but i still think i still think stalked by my doctor the concept of the doctor falling in love with the patient and that being wrong works if the woman is of age Mm -hmm. and might give us the icks a little bit less here are my thoughts first of all i like your idea of making them of age i also would like for him, as I said, to fall for someone who falls for him back sincerely, not as yeah. part of a plot, but sincerely falls for him back. And I would like for her to be twisted so mm-hmm. that he gets kind of like what's coming to him. Maybe she becomes more obsessed with him. Than maybe she's also a doctor. Yes. Maybe she's a doctor. Alternatively, if we want to lean harder into the comedy is there a possibility we could do a body swap at some point? (laughs) I'm just throwing it out there. Seeing what the writers pick up. I I'm not sure how that I'd have to tease that out a little bit, how that would work, but it could be very funny. Well, yeah, I think, uh, (laughs) what kind of body swap are you thinking? Dr. Beck body swaps with someone else. I don't know who the someone else is. Is it, the patient he's obsessed with? Is it the mother of the patient he's obsessed with or the roommate if we make them of age? I don't know. But I think a body... I'm not usually a body swap equals comedy gold person. That's not usually like... There are a lot of them that are really bad. But in this case, I think it could be quite funny. I mean, I want to see Eric Roberts playing someone else and someone else playing Dr. Beck. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a real challenge. We got to find someone who's up to the Dr. Beck challenge, but I think we can do it. I think it'd be weird. I think it'd be funny. Yeah. So that's, those are my thoughts, my hopes. I don't think, by the way, I don't think, just what the doctor ordered is going to be a body swab. Yeah. But a girl has to dream, you know? (laughs) All right. So let's get into trivia for this one. This one had a lot 
So, this one was written and directed by Jeff Hare, not Doug Campbell. Really? So we've got a new writer. He also directed Hometown Killer, Bad Tutor, and (laughs) Psycho-in-Law. He was an ABC television news reporter based in Nebraska before he moved to Hollywood to become a director. That's a career trajectory. It is. Okay. The Ant is... I am not going to pronounce this correctly, and apologies to the actress. Emily Ullerup Peterson was born in Denmark, where her father, Ove Ullerup Peterson, was a jurist, diplomat, and decorated ambassador of Denmark in Vietnam. He held the title of Lord Chamberlain for the Danish royal family. Wow. Now, we do not usually get royals. That is did trivia. You, did you notice how uncomfortable I was reading through that? It was That was a very slow reading. But as a result, she is fluent in Danish, English, and Vietnamese. Wow. Yes. So Angeline Appel, who played Katie, was credited as mob dancer in what movie? Step Up? Revolution. But yes, uh, revolution. <laughs> Good guess. She was uh, in Babysitter's Black Book, and she was. Oh, that was a good one. Yes, and she was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Okay. Nikki Bismar <laughs> played Winston Egbert on Sweet Valley High. <laughs> um, okay, Leo. Matt Reif started stand-up comedy at the age of 15, and he's been on Wild and Out, The Challenge on MTV, one episode of Fresh Off the Boat, and he dated Kate Beckinsale. What? Yeah. She likes young guys. He was... There are, like, tons of photos of them on the internet. It's actually fun. Yeah, she likes the Baja shirt, too. <laughs> Talking about outkicking your coverage. Yes. She does seem to have a thing for guys in a very specific age range who are funny. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not necessarily saying funny to me. I'm just saying like in funny. Because she also dated... Um, oh my God. Pete Davidson. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And I think they're close-ish in age. Yeah. And from what I saw on the internet, the breakup was messy. So you want to Google it. <laughs> uh, okay, Dr. Tanner. The real one. Yes. Played Rick Morehouse in Just One of the Guys. Have you ever heard of that movie? <laughs> yes, of course. Okay, it's, they, uh, I've never seen it, but I know it's a classic oh, 80s film. They where... played it on Comedy Central all the time growing up, so I've seen it a lot. It's where the, uh, the woman joins the football team. Mm-hmm, yes. Yes. Yeah. And he's her love interest slash um, teammate yeah. on the team. He was also on an episode of Bones. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so at the beginning of the movie, we didn't even discuss this, but there's a wedding scene where the aunt walks, sleepwalks into a wedding and kisses the groom. The bride, who's just credited as bride 
Marissa Echeverria got her SAG card by singing in what Luther Vandross song from what movie? Oh gosh. The Best Things in Life Are Free from Mo Money? Which was a duet between Luther Vandross and Janet Jackson? No. Heart of a Hero, which played as the credits rolled in the Dustin Hoffman and Gina Davis movie Hero from 1992. Okay. She was also a member of the Los Angeles Children's Choir, in which she sang with Barry Manilow. Whoa! Michael McDonald. Whoa! Yo-Yo Ma. Mm-hmm. And Peebo Bryson. Wow! That is a quartet. Yes. She performed in Shakespeare in the Park. Okay. And she sang at the wedding, I think it would have been in the 90s. Again, cursory Google search. Of a musician to a supermodel. Which musician and supermodel? And I will give you a hint. Was it Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett? No. Julia Roberts isn't a supermodel. Oh, right. Yeah, gosh. I'm not saying you're not pretty, Uh, Julia Roberts. uh, uh, It's not your career. I was thinking musician first. Also, that would be very pat if it was a question about Julia Roberts. (laughs) No. Talking about her brothers. Oh my gosh, maybe that's where the franchise should go. (laughs) Loop in my less favorite Roberts. (laughs) Um, I mean, you have stiff competition, Julia. I really like your brother. He's very funny. Was Cindy Crawford a supermodel? No. Oh, I mean, yes. Cindy Crawford was like the supermodel. Well, no, I, that I know. But, but her husband, I believe, is a hotelier restaurateur. That's so. right. Yes. Um, Sexy relates to the musician. Oh. Um, watch the, watch me have given this clue and then the song not be signed by the musician. Uh, I'm too sexy? Nope. You're not talking... I'm now worried that I'm thinking of the wrong musician. No, no, I... It's not Justin Timberlake. No, this is an older guy. Okay. Um, He would have... I'm guessing he would have been... Oh, I know it. It's Rod Stewart and Rachel Hunter. Yes. Boy, wow, that took me a long time to get there. Yeah, we got we got some fun stuff along the way. I he did sing that song, right? Do you think I'm sexy? Yes. Anyways. Do you have any other thoughts about these three movies? I think I'm glad that we were able to to go through them. And yes. I I hope that you know, you saying that the fourth one wasn't Doug Campbell. Uh, makes me wonder who wrote and directed just what the doctor ordered. So uh, yes. we'll have to see. You know what it also makes me wonder? Can we write six, please? <laughs> I would really like to. I'll try to figure out that body swap thing. I I will come up with something that will knock your socks off. And it won't r- borrow from face off at all. I would really love if this turned out to be Lifetime's The Fast and the Furious. Uh-huh. I suspect we probably won't get too many more of them, but my hope is, I mean, can we go to 10? I'd love to see stalked through 10. And obviously people are watching. They would not make five of these if people were not interested. 
I cannot say enough. I am very interested in seeing these movies continue. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, to go on the Fast and the Furious parallel, there are even some good scenes with Dr. Beck driving and getting angry at himself and talking to himself in the yes. car. Yes. Yes. There are. But... But no Vin Diesel. Yeah. I mean, we may have to adjust the scale, frankly, because we have to account for new things like the Amy pancakes. Yes. We have to account for the dance scene, which is purely hallucination. We have to account for the sex scene between a soap pump and, and a glass. brush in a glass. <laughs> I mean, smelling American Girl doll clothes is, it's still good. It would be interesting to try to try to figure out where that compares to simulated sex scenes with toiletry objects. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, now that you're caught up on where we've been, tune into the next episode for where we're going with number five. Just what the doctor ordered. It is indeed just what the doctor ordered for me. <laughs> If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at husbandwifetime or on Instagram at husbandandwifetime. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.